It is good to see you on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, to those of you who are normally at the Indy 500, welcome. We're so glad you're here with us this year. We know they'll have the race later on in the summer for you, but, but today we're glad that you're here with us. And for those of you who are normally at the lake, but you're waiting for the change to be able to go, we want to say to you, thank you. We are so glad that you're here with us today. And on Memorial Day weekend, it is our tradition to say thank you to those who have given their life to protect the lives of others. And this year, during the COVID-19 global pandemic, there's probably no other day that we could remember in a more effective way. Those of you who have been risking your lives and those who have actually given their lives on the front lines fighting this battle for the people of God all over the world. So today, we're glad you're here. And we want to encourage you to take just a moment today and, and remember why we gather virtually, even when we can't gather physically. Because Jesus is the Christ. And he is the one who gave his life for us. And today, as we've worshiped him, the courts of heaven have been filled with your praises. And we're so glad that we could come together today. We're going to finish a series today that we started, ironically, on the week before the COVID-19 outbreak began to occur. We called it Conversations. And it was a, a series that we had planned months ago from the last evening that Jesus spent with his disciples. The, the evening where he shared in washing their feet and then in teaching them about communion, the, the bread and the cup, and, and which he, he prayed for them and taught them different things. And, and in John chapter 17, he prayed for them and began to tell them in the prayer what he wanted to have happen in their life. And as he gets to the, to the last part of the prayer, it becomes a, a very memorable experience. I've told you the last couple of weeks about some memorable prayers that, that I've experienced in my life. And today I'd, I'd like to tell you about one more. You see, there's this thing that churches do when, when people feel called into ministry. They begin to look at those people and, and check out their life and see how they're living and and those people make themselves accountable to others who have, who have been in ministry for some period of time. It's called an ordination process. If you've ever been through it or you know someone who's been through it, you know it involves a lot of study. And, and here in Indiana, in the Church of God, it's a three-year process. And at the end of that three-year process, there's a, there's a ceremony, there's a, a gathering of, of lay people and pastors from around the state, and, and we gather together, and for those who are being ordained, then it's a very important night. And each person who's being ordained invites some people to come and pray for them, to pray over them literally to lay a hand on their shoulder or their head and pray for them. And on the night of my ordination, I, I asked the senior pastor where I was working as an associate pastor. I asked the chairman of the church council. I asked one of my undergraduate professors, and I asked one of my seminary professors, and I asked my father. And as those five individuals stood around me praying over me, 
praying for God's blessing in my life and my wife Becky's life, the, the two of us kneeling at an altar at the front of a church, there, there was something very, very special and powerful about that moment. For you see, in that process, I began to, to sense that my life was connected to their lives and to the lives of, of people far beyond my experience because I was being called and commissioned and ordained into the life of ministry in the church. I still remember those hands and the pressure of them on my shoulders and my head. I, I can still feel the, the gentle patting of my head by my seminary professor. And I also know that now, some decades later, three of those five men have stepped from our presence into the presence of God. And two of those three requested that I be a part of the team that eulogized them. Their impact on my life was for all of my life, not just for that moment and not just for that night. And as Jesus prayed for the disciples, as he, as he ends this prayer in John 17, he, he makes a part of that prayer, that lifelong wish for them. Listen as I read it from John chapter 17 in verse 24. These last words that Jesus would pray for the disciples on the night before he was crucified for the sins of the world and for your sins and mine. Listen to what he said in John chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be found in them. Jesus prays that, that the Father would make it possible for those who believe in Jesus to be with Jesus. He, he prays that, that those of us who follow Jesus would be marked by the power of Jesus' love in our life. And as he prays, he, he reveals some things about his love. It, it's a different kind of love than love you will find anywhere else in the world. You see, it's not the kind of love that asks for something in return. It's not the kind of love that is given so that it will get. It's not the kind of conditional love that we see so frequently among humanity. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a love that, that values some things. Jesus prayed that all of those who believe in Jesus might be with him wherever he is that we might be in his presence. You see, Jesus' love values, Jesus' love desires a relationship with us that is marked by, by his presence. During these last couple of months, uh, as we've gone through the, 
the social distancing and the sheltering in place. My wife and I have been very, very careful about the contacts that we've made with people. We've tried to follow all of the different rules for a couple of different reasons. One is simply because we value our role in leadership and, and we wanted to protect ourselves as best we could so that we could be with you virtually each week and share it with God's Word. But the other thing is that our, our children, our sons, and my daughter-in-law, one son and his wife, my daughter-in-law, live here in Anderson. The other son lives over in Illinois, and he's a professor at a university. So we couldn't travel to Illinois with the shelter in place, and we had a, a son and a daughter-in-law here, so we thought perhaps we would be with them, but my daughter-in-law is a nurse, and she's pregnant with our first grandchild. And so my wife and I sat together at the beginning of this and we said, you know what, we want to do everything we can to make sure that we're healthy, that our daughter-in-law is healthy, that our son is healthy, and that that grandbaby arrives healthy. And so because of that, we went weeks without physically seeing any of our children. We missed seeing some stages of of my daughter-in-law's pregnancy. And, and so we came to the point where the, where the, the shelter-in-place moved away and, and the parameters broadened a little bit. And, and I, I can't help but tell you how, how wonderful it was to, to invite my son and my daughter-in-law and that beautiful child who hasn't arrived yet to, to come and sit in our backyard and have dinner with us around the table and to celebrate and eat a meal and just Simply be together. And I know some of you are longing for the opportunity to be physically present with loved ones you've not been able to see. And if you can think about that kind of ache inside of you, if you can identify with that, that kind of desire, then you'll understand more what it is that Jesus is praying for. Jesus is praying that, that when he ascends to be with the Father, when he is in the presence of God Almighty, interceding for you and me, He's praying that someday we will join him. Someday we will be present with him. He desires that we would be present with him. This entire teaching in John's gospel begins in John chapter 14, verse 1, where Jesus said to these same disciples in this same upper room before he prayed this prayer, don't worry, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? I, I think so many of us miss the power of Jesus' love for us because we, we miss the understanding that this God who created everything, this person who spoke the world into being, this person who holds all the cosmos in his hand, wants a relationship with us. Jesus desires a relationship with us. And so, this morning, if you've never heard that before, if you're some of the hundreds of people who've been gathering with us online, gathering with us in these virtual venues, then I, I wanna say to you, you need to know that Jesus loves you so much. He wants you to be present with him.
But he also, he, he wants that presence to be something that, that lets you see more of him. Listen to the way he put it when he said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, get this, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You see, Jesus wants us to be with him in heaven so that we can get a glimpse of his glory. We can get an understanding of who he really is. Jesus not only wants us to be present with him in a relationship, Jesus wants to share with us his whole personhood. When I first married my wife, I wanted to introduce her to all the people that knew me. I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, actually in a little town called Byram, just to the south of Jackson. She grew up in St. Louis. We met here in Anderson at the university. And after we were married, I, I, I wanted her to meet all of my friends, all of the guys that I grew up with, I'd played ball with, I'd gone to school with. And, and so we took a trip back to Jackson. The problem was my parents had moved some years earlier. The, the problem was my, my home now belonged to someone else. The, the, the problem was the world had changed while I'd been away. And so I was taking my wife to places and explaining things to her. And, and then I took her to, to see my best friend. I wanted her to meet him. I wanted him to meet her. And when I pulled up at his house, he had eight brothers and sisters. And when I had gone away to college... Those brothers and sisters were in junior high and upper elementary. Now, years later, they are high school students and college students. And when my wife and I pulled up in the driveway of their home, out in the country in South Mississippi, they came around the corner. And there was this look on his little brother's face that was like, who are these people? Why are they in our driveway? Are they lost? They don't belong here. And he shouted something around the corner of the house and my best friend came around the corner and he stared. And then suddenly his face broke into a smile and he turned and he smacked his brother on the shoulder. He says, don't you recognize Carrie? That's Carrie Robinson. I don't know who the girl is with him, but that's my friend. The introductions were made, the hugs were given. The story started rolling out. And there were moments in those stories when I thought, was this the wisest thing to let Becky come and meet these guys? But can I tell you something? When we left there that day, she turned to me and said, I understand you better now. You've got to know. That's what, that's what Jesus' love does for us. Jesus' love desires that we will have a relationship of presence with him and that when we join him in the presence of God, that we can share in his glory. We can understand his personhood. He wants us to know more about him. He wants to share more of who he is with us. And he wants to start now, today, in your presence, in your home, in your family, in your life. The power of the love of Jesus is more than just to forgive you of your sins. No, no, no. The power of the love of Jesus is to introduce you to the relationship that God himself desires to have with you and to bring you into a, a relationship of understanding 
who Jesus really is. Did you hear what he said? He said, Father, you did this for me. You loved me even before the foundations of the world. You gave me glory even before the world came into being. Father, I, I want these people to understand who I am, to know the power of life in you. Because Jesus' love, Jesus' love reveals who Jesus is, and it also reveals Jesus' purpose for our life. Listen to what he says in the prayer. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. See, that's, that's the core of this relationship. To know, that, to know that God sent his son to show you his love. And he invites you into this relationship and he, and he wants you to know more of who he is and more of what he's like because he has a purpose, a purpose for your life, a purpose for our lives together. As strange as it may sound, there is a purpose to the world walking through what the world is walking through right now. I don't know what it is. I'll probably never understand it, why we've had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide who've lost their lives to a, to a virus that humans can't control. But what I know is, I know that in the midst of that loss, some of you have discovered more of who Jesus is. I know that in the midst of that loss, some of us have watched Jesus' love permeate our homes and permeate our lives and change us from the inside out and show us more of who he is. Oh yeah, there's pain, there's heartache, there's sorrow, but, but God redeems those things through Jesus Christ. When I went to South India for the first time, as I told you a few weeks ago, to take the, the Newell Library over to the Asia Bible College, I was assigned a driver for the week, someone to, to pick me up and take me to the place where I was speaking multiple times over my stay there. I was assigned a driver for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I, I, they drive on a different side of the road than I'm used to, and, and there wasn't anyone who was going to trust me with a driver's license there. And number two, it was an opportunity for me to get to know this young professor at the Asia Bible College who became my driver. And over the days that I was there, we would have conversation, and, and he introduced himself, and his name was Srijith. And I, I looked at him, I said, tell me your story, Srijith. He began to unfold a story of how God's love had found him in a, in a village where he grew up near the sea, a, a village that, that was Hindu by religious upbringing. But some Christians were nearby, and and when he found his Hindu faith of his father and his mother not satisfying to himself, he began to, to investigate the Bible. He began to read the Bible. And, and as he began to read the Bible, he began to discover who Jesus was. To make a very long story short, he converted to Christianity. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. But when he did so, he did so at the loss of all of his connection to his family. And they demanded that he take a new name. And so he took the name Srijith. I said to him, what does that mean? He said, one who wins. I said, wow, one who wins. That's an amazing name. 
And the conversation continued, and a few days I left. And then this last year, I was back with him, and we were talking about his children and talking about his family. And, and as we were doing so, he, he was talking with me about what God had done in the two years that I hadn't seen him. We were celebrating the birth of a child, celebrating God's goodness to the school and, and his role as a professor there. And I, when I got home, had no problem at all when he sent me a friend request on social media, on Facebook. Hey, that's my friend Srijith, yes. But you know what? This week was Srijith's birthday. And it popped up on Facebook. And it was the first time this week getting ready to share with you about the purpose God has for our lives, the purpose that his love brings to our life, that for the first time I saw Srija's last name. Do you know what his last name is? Of course you don't, but I'm going to tell you. His name is Srija for Christ. That's right. One who wins for Christ. When he got to choose a name, to define the purpose of his life after his conversion to Jesus Christ, Sri just chose a name that comes out of his identity in Jesus Christ. That's the power of God's love for us. The power to invite us into a relationship. The, 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 the power to, 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 to let us know who he really is. To see his personhood. The power to, the power to give us a purpose for our life. Because you see... It's that kind of power that Jesus prayed for in you and me. Just like those five hands on my shoulders and my head all those years ago were praying that I would spend my life serving God through his church, Jesus Christ prayed for you and he prays for you even now. And here's what his prayer is. Listen to the last part of his prayer from John chapter 17. The last verse, I made known to them, Father, your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That, that the love with which you loved me. Jesus is praying that the same love that exists within the Trinity, within God the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the, the love that preexists the very creation and foundations of the world, that that love would be in us. Because he knew something. He knew that that, that love would be the power we would need in order to live a life of love. That, that we, would, we would need his power in order to love other people. As we're continuing to walk through this valley called COVID-19, as we're continuing to seek the face of God, I want you to know that God is still here and God still has a purpose and Jesus still desires you to be present with him and he wants you to know who he is and on this Memorial Day weekend, as you celebrate and remember the heritage that you have and as you, as you get an opportunity to renew some of the relationships, I, I really want to encourage you to remember just how faithful God is.